Hey guys, <laughs> welcome back or welcome if you're new. This is Black Magic, a podcast and newsletter where I pull a tarot card and I talk about it. I'm Sarah Black. I'm an extremely powerful witch, and I would love for you to tell all of your friends. They can find me at sarahblack.substack.com for the newsletter and podcast, or if you only want to listen to the podcast, I'm on Spotify and Apple as well. And you can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at Sarzipan, S-A-R-Z-I-P-A-N, and same username on Letterboxd and TikTok, which I never use, but maybe I will again one day. Who, who knows? I'm recording this on a Wednesday night. I hope you've all been having a great week so far. It's been kind of it's kind of a big one this week, astrologically speaking. It was the fall equinox on the weekend, or I guess the spring equinox if you're in the southern hemisphere. And tomorrow is a full moon in Aries, and I it's the first full moon of fall and the last super moon of the year, if you even care. <laughs> I hope you do. I love the moon. Uh, one thing about me... <laughs> I am the type of person to interrupt you mid-sentence to yell, oh my God, look at the moon. I, I don't know when I became this person. I just, it's, whatever. It's beautiful. <laughs> She's Gorgina. She deserves the attention. So fall, <laughs> we're in fall. It's absolutely crazy to me how quickly this year has gone by. I feel like... I was just kicking off my early summer vacation, <laughs> sitting in my Zoom call, getting laid off and being like, okay, I guess summer's here now. <laughs> that feels like it happened like a month ago. And nope, it's been <sighs> five and a half months, six months, something like that. And I got to say, it's been good. <laughs> I do not miss working. Actually, that's, I feel like, okay, I say that and what I mean is I do not miss doing a job just for the sake of making a check. Like, I feel I am doing my own work now of this podcast, <laughs> the newsletter. I feel like I've been doing a lot of soul searching a lot of figuring out <laughs> what my purpose is and the kind of writer that I want to be. And then also balancing that with actually doing the writing because <laughs> that's something that I struggle with. I And not just that's not specific to writing. I think I am just the kind of person that can get very easily like trapped in overthinking about doing the thing to the point where I forget to ever actually start doing the thing. So this is what I want to talk about this week in the context of the card that I've pulled for this episode, which is the Ten of Wands. And 
like always, I'll start with the imagery for the Wild Unknown, Ten of Wands, and then the Wait Smith version of the card. So for the Wild Unknown, it's pretty dark. It's just like a dark background with a pile of sticks or wands. They're very messy. It's hard to tell without the context if they're just like in a pile on the ground or if this is like a tangled like um, forest. It kind of the imagery that I thought of when I when I look at this card is, you know, in Sleeping Beauty, when Maleficent turns into the dragon and all those thorns grow around the castle and they stop. Prince Philip or whatever whatever prince is in that movie from getting through to um, the castle to save Sleeping Beauty. It makes me think of that, just this like tangled like web of vines and thorny branches. And then in the Waite Smith version of the card, we see a person who is carrying this big load of 10 sticks and he's got them all kind of like carried in front of him, head down in the pile of sticks. He can't really see, um, they can't really see where they're going. And there's like a village that they appear to be heading towards in the distance, not too far away. It's like pretty, it seems like it's pretty close. So this kind of makes sense because tens in the minor arcana suits represent the completion of a journey of like whatever the story of that suit and so it looks like this person who's carrying the sticks is you know nearly at their destination i get this like feeling of like this person <laughs> i don't know why they're carrying the sticks this way this is kind of my first impression of the card is like there's probably a better way to be carrying those sticks and I think this is very symbolic of, you know, when you just say yes to everything or you just like keep adding tasks to your pile without really thinking about what you've already got going on. You just kind of keep grabbing another stick until eventually that like pile becomes unwieldy and you trip and fall on your face or drop them everywhere like this person can't even see like the destination that they're heading towards so to me I just kind of think like this person needs to just like stop and rearrange the sticks or maybe evaluate if all of the sticks are absolutely necessary like maybe he can put one down the energy that I get from both of these cards is just very tangled very messy the the energy is very like blocked up and like with the Wait Smith card, I just feel like this person is making their journey more difficult on themselves than it needs to be. And these two cards are really the the Ten of Wands is very symbolic of overextending yourself and mm, a lot of like energetic clutter feeling like you just like have a lot of moving parts, a lot of things on your plate. There's this just feeling of disorganization and you're approaching, if not already at the phase of burnout. And burnout is something <laughs> that I have been really working through a lot ever, ever since being laid off. I Well, I think that's something that like I was aware of 
being in that in that danger zone of burnout before being laid off. And then once the shock of everything kind of wore off and things had settled and I'd had like a month, maybe two months of not working and having a lot of time to contemplate and mm, find different ways to structure my day and spend my energy, I kind of had this realization of like, God, my burnout was so much deeper than I thought it was. And I think a lot of that had to do with, like, I didn't really hate the job that I had. Like, I felt like it was a bit (laughs) meaningless in the sense of like, I think all tech jobs are kind of meaningless. They are kind of empty and superficial from my perspective. And I think I just associate burnout with jobs that are super stressful and super taxing. And like you have, you're working like really long hours and you're being emotionally abused by your colleagues and working in a really toxic environment. And I wouldn't say that that is accurate of the job that I was coming from. I really like the people that I worked with directly anyways. Like my my team I thought was really great. And it's a, it was like a classic cushy remote tech job. I worked from home. I got lots of great benefits like a work from home allowance and a like wellness budget and like all of these like little things that just made me very comfortable in the short term. (laughs) But I think all of those, you know, creature comforts that kind of lull you, that allure you into working this kind of like tech lifestyle, which I think I use tech as like an umbrella term, but I'm really coming at it from the perspective of somebody who worked specifically in customer support. And I think the challenges that people face working in tech, working in customer support, or community management are a lot different than somebody who is a UX designer or a project manager or a, you know, front-end developer of, you know, anyone of that nature. I think the challenge with working in customer support in tech or really like any service role, any retail role where you are in a position where you have to be (laughs) interacting with the public, (laughs) even if that interaction is taking place solely online, can be really emotionally draining because uh, a lot of people are fucking assholes, (laughs) to be honest, and they have no concept of like how their words or their, you know, tone in their messaging can impact the other person on the other side of the screen. So I think when the pandemic really kind of ramped up, (laughs) a lot of people were like stuck at home, were super frustrated. 
And, you know, as we all know, global, you know, ship supply chains and shipping were greatly impacted by the pandemic. So you would see a lot of people just take out their anger and frustration on people's, you know, small businesses, Instagram accounts or messaging people, you know, companies on Facebook and just using the worst language and just being horrible. And I saw a lot of that during the pandemic. And I think that, like, literally, I have been working in tech support for over a decade. And I have always been very good about maintaining my boundaries when it comes to, like, you're, like, you're not going to ruin my day by being an asshole because that's like whatever you've got shit going on on your your end that I don't know about and it's none of my business so you can just kind of say have your little temper tantrum if you want to and then we'll get to the business of resolving whatever the issue is that you're reaching out about but during the pandemic I mean I was going through that shit too like we all were and it became really difficult my capacity for empathy for people having meltdowns about you know they forgot their password and they have 10 different email addresses so they don't know where the reset code is being sent to and like (laughs) they're having an absolute meltdown at me over it like I just had no empathy like people are dying Kim I beg you to calm down (laughs) that so that kind of like really escalated my burnout I in fact had the first panic attack the first and only panic attack I've ever had in my life was because of that job and the nature of the types of people that used our product and services. And, you know, a lot of those people were life coaches, self-proclaimed Instagram life coaches. I had this literally the person who triggered my panic attack was a life coach that preached maintaining calm in her Instagram bio. And then meanwhile, sent us like 50 all caps tweets about how we were the worst company in the world and that she was going to sue us. And then she tried to dox one of the employees at our company. (laughs) So there was a fundamental misalignment as well when it came to just feeling like, what am I doing? Like, this is my job, being paid to talk to these people all day, people who are actively making the internet and social media a worse place because I just don't really see how making an Instagram account for your pet ferret is bringing any value to social media or at least not enough value that would justify you threatening to sue me because I won't refund you for a subscription that you forgot that you had. Anyways, let's not get into <laughs> I, I don't know how much I'm allowed to actually talk about my last job, so let's just move on. Let's just sum up and say the burnout was very, very deep, <laughs> and I I'm still working through it, and I'm still working through my relationship to work, even though the work that I do now is my writing and not 
work that I do for another person in order to make a check. So I've talked here and there about different methods that I've been using to work through this burnout and kind of heal it. My cardio (laughs) era, my cardio phase has definitely been a part of that because I got really into this bad habit of not moving my body during the day. I would sit in front of my laptop all day long. And then when the workday was over, I'd sit on my couch and look at my phone. And then it would be 9 p.m. <laughs> and then I'd put a movie on and go to bed. <laughs> and that, that, God, obviously, obviously that's so unhealthy. But like, Once I kind of got in the habit of doing it, it's been really difficult to, you know, shake free from that. So the cardio era has been an attempt to resolve that. Another thing that I have done and I'm still kind of working on is decluttering, like physically, my house because I've accumulated a lot of things in the four years that I've lived here. One of those areas specifically being my closet, my wardrobe is just overflowing. I think that online shopping is definitely like a coping mechanism that I have for boredom. I need that instant dopamine hit. So I'm going to do, I'm going to buy myself a little package, (laughs) buy myself a little present, have it sent to me. And I've really tried to minimize that as much as possible. I was trying to do that previous to losing my job. I have come up with this whole like aesthetic guidelines, like notion spreadsheet about like what I can buy and what I cannot buy anymore because I have the habit of just buying the same version of a thing over and over again. Like I probably have five different slip dresses. That's completely unnecessary. So yeah, I was that was just kind of like an attempt to curb my spending habit of just buying clothing that I don't need. So I purged my wardrobe and donated a bunch of stuff. I have been forced to clear off my balcony which had accumulated like furniture that I wasn't using and old like plant pots and stuff because my building managers are painting all of the balconies. So I took that as the motivation to finally clear off the balcony that I've been meaning to take care of for like a year and a half at this point. So I finally did that. (laughs) Yay. And that's something that, you know, when I was in in the trenches of my burnout, I really had a hard time keeping on top of just taking care of my space. And I think for a long time, I really confused that with just being depressed. And it's only now that I kind of have had a couple of months where I've been really climbing out of that trench of burnout and feeling really good about where I am in my life and all the time that I have now to explore my writing and kind of do whatever I want, which is such a privilege. Like I'm very, very aware of like how lucky I am and that not everybody gets the opportunity to like have time off to work through their burnout. So don't get me wrong. I know that that's something that like 
It's not easy. But I think, yeah, a lot of the symptoms that I struggled with while I was working and when I was in the height of my burnout, I really confused them with depression, just like being really unmotivated and feeling really low energy and letting, you know, the dishes accumulate in the sink because I haven't unloaded the dishwasher yet and letting my clothing pile on my couch grow and grow because I just didn't have the energy to put things away. And the last couple of months, that's been like not a problem for me to just stay on top of things. And that seems small, but I was really struggling with it for a while. So it's like a, a tangible, visible like indicator of my progress, which I'm just very pleased about. Something that struck me about this Wait Smith card and this figure with the the his their face down in the sticks, just like trudging forward without any visibility, no kind of like idea of like where they're headed. Like that to me feels like what living with burnout feels like where you're just like head down, just like doing your best to muddle through and you can't even see where you're going. You have all, all your mind is thinking about is like putting one foot in front of the other and not dropping this big load of sticks that you're carrying. And when you're so preoccupied with that, you don't really have the time to think about like, hey, do I even want to be doing this? Or, hey, isn't there a better way that I could be doing this if I do want to be doing this? And I think this kind of ties into my thoughts about my writing process because that's something that's been undergoing a journey as I have been writing this newsletter Every week I put out a Sunday reflection post and then I do a podcast episode every two weeks. And the writing for the podcast episode is a little bit different. It's a lot more like loose. It's it's not scripted. <laughs> so, but there is like a little bit of like there's writing and there's research involved in it. And then, you know, I I do actually write the pieces for the Sunday reflection. So, this is the most consistent that my writing has ever been. And it is still something that I am struggling with. Like uh, it's Wednesday night at midnight and I'm recording this podcast episode with the hopes that I have something to release for tomorrow so that I can keep my bi-weekly kind of schedule of releasing on a Wednesday or a Thursday. Yeah, I just I there's something that I'm struggling with with sitting down and staring at my laptop and having the intent to write, but what I end up doing is like w watching stuff on YouTube or scrolling through Twitter and reading articles. And I think that sometimes that stuff is merely a distraction for sure. It's me procrastinating. And that's something that I'm like kind of curious about myself because if I do really like writing, then why do I struggle with the action of it so much? <laughs> But like I've also been like reading a lot about other writers and their writing, 
you know, processes and their methods and their views on the act of writing itself. And like a lot of them also felt the same thing of just this like dread or this like hesitation at actually like sitting down and doing the damn thing. (laughs) They just would like avoid it or again, like procrastinate like I do. So that's been like really kind of comforting that like, you know, if Joan Didion (laughs) fucked around all day and didn't actually get to, you know, the act of writing until 5 p.m., then why not me, (laughs) I guess. But yeah, I guess I'm learning to find this balance between this whole process of like what can sometimes be procrastination if I go a little too far into the like binging media what is also part of like my pre-writing method or my research because you know sometimes in this procrastination I come across articles that end up being very inspiring for me or you know make me like you know triggered like a different thought pattern for me or make me consider things from a different perspective like (laughs) I was procrastinating this week and For some reason, I decided to read that Martin Scorsese profile that just got posted on GQ. You know what? I am not, like, um, a Scorsese fan by any means. Like, I have seen three or four of his movies, and I don't think I've seen any of his, like, old-time classics. But, like, I think that he's such an interesting person as, like, an artist who's had his career for over 50 years and I read this profile on him and it was so moving and it made me think so much about how I feel about myself as a creator and my or a creator a creative person an artist (laughs) I guess I feel cringy saying that about myself because it's a fucking podcast and a Substack newsletter, but whatever, why not? (laughs) Art can be whatever you want it to be, I guess, as long as there's an intent to connect and express, you know, internal emotions or moods or whatever, make make a statement, make it mean something, which is a lot of like what Scorsese talks about in this profile of him, regardless of the fucking headlines that talk about him attacking comic book movies again. My God, nobody reads anything. (laughs) It's so infuriating because this whole article is just this, like, beautiful— it has him, like, reflecting on his own mortality and the approach of the end of his life and how that impacts— how he spends his time. And he talks very specifically about this idea of like, when you're so close to the end, like you really are spending time. Like that, you're, if you only have so much of it left, you're very aware of like what you're dedicating that towards. And he talks very specifically about this idea of allowing yourself to just exist. Like that's okay. You have to have a balance between this, like, manic energy of trying to do everything that you can or try to learn everything that you can before, you know, you die. (laughs) You have to balance that with just allowing yourself the pleasure of existing in the moment, looking out of the window at a tree, feeling 
the last of the warm weather on your skin, like enjoying life's simple pleasures and not worrying about, not feeling guilty about it, not feeling bad that you're not being productive enough or worrying about all this other work that you're supposed to be or you should be doing. I'm doing air quotes. You can't see me, but I'm doing air quotes. (laughs) Like all of this, all of the, you know, detritus that we, you know, build up in our day of like these things that we need to take care of. They just distract us from being able to have that presence of just like being in the moment. And I think it also really, that busyness, all of that pile of sticks, it just like distracts us from knowing ourselves, being able to know like what we want in life and who we are and what we feel like we're here for, which I think is different for everyone. Like just because I have a certain idea of like my reason for being doesn't mean that I think that everybody should share that same thing. Like you have to figure that out for yourself. And I think we get so overloaded with tasks and responsibilities and feeling like this like mountain of burden, I guess, that we feel on our shoulders to like get everything that we can done before time runs out. And it just doesn't allow us to ever have time to sit in a fucking park and just enjoy being alive, just enjoy the beauty of the world around us and reflect on our own nature. And I don't know, that's a thing that I'm navigating right now. (laughs) and I'm really worked up about it. There's a part in that Scorsese profile where he he says that like whatever it is that you want to say, like the art that you want to make, you have to rip it out of your skull and your guts and you have to really know like what it is that you want to say in this moment. Like that's the point of movies. That's the point of art, which I think is like what he's talking about when he's saying that these like big studio, big budget like action movies which serve their a purpose in their own way like I'm not knocking a Marvel movie I've enjoyed a Marvel movie in my time but I think there's a big difference between fucking Ant-Man and you know a movie that actually has something to say about the nature of man and corruption and greed and you know like whatever the message is like there's there's meaning behind it. There's intent. And I don't know if that's always present in a Marvel movie or a Justice League movie. But whatever, come from my throat if you want to on that one. <laughs> but the the ripping it out of your skull and your guts and having something to say just like resonated with me so much. And like that's the kind of person, artist, creative that I want to be. I don't want to make stuff that doesn't have any meaning. And so that's kind of where I'm at, where I'm figuring out like what it is that I want to say, because I've been burnt out for so long that I was just kind of like, I wasn't able to pinpoint that because I just didn't have the energy or the motivation. And now that I've been working through this burnout inflicted on me, I'm able to get to a place where I'm starting to understand like 
what I need what I need to do to set myself up in a day to be able to make the kind of art. <laughs> I I oh, that is so cringy, but like <laughs> to write what I want to write, to write the kind of thing that I feel like is meaningful, at least to me. If it doesn't resonate with everyone, that's fine. But I want to be able to say, to look at a body of work that I've put out and think like, I'm proud of this. And, you know, I I said what I needed to say. And I don't think that that journey is any easier. I think like I'm still going to be this guy carrying a big load of fucking sticks. But I think that if I, sh- I am now shifting my energies to prioritize what's going to set me up to be able to be creative and to be in a frame of mind where I'm able to write. I need to be going for my daily writer's walks and weekly artist dates, getting out of the house, being around people, keeping a somewhat organized home. I do the best that I can. But like having an environment that like makes me feel comfortable and, you know, makes me feel it's like conducive to writing and to, you know, daydreaming and to finding inspiration in whatever article I, I I come across on Twitter that day. All these all these kind of things that I need to have like set up in a way to make me feel like I can write. I don't know how many of you are writers or creatives, but I hope that that is somewhat relatable and valuable to you. If you're still here, you're still listening all the way to the end with me. I love and I cherish you. <laughs> I know I feel like this week was a little bit heated, but I've had I've been like pondering this all week and also the whole Martin Scorsese like <laughs> versus Marvel like discourse online is just infuriating. It's just, just this like beautiful article about a brilliant artist contemplating his mortality and approaching death and talking about valuing your time with people because he's watched so many of his friends and family die and comic book fans are just like oh did he not watch the end of that avengers movie where everyone comes back from the dead it's so emotional like bitch that's not what he's fucking talking about Please learn to read. Please use your brain. Okay. <laughs> I got to end this before I get <laughs> emotional again. Uh, goodbye. Love you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>